Welcome in to a Thursday episode of Back and Forth. I'm your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. Plenty of football on tap today. Uh-oh. S- some, some just came in my mind. Me and Matt were talking about what we were going to discuss on the show, and we're, we're still not going to do it because it's just going to be a waste of time. But just in case someone's like, oh, my God, it's a Thursday episode, how are you not talking about Thursday night football. There's a reason it didn't make the. There's story, a reason okay? why we're we're gonna do uh, we're gonna do Air Force and UNLV over uh, Washington and Chicago. Yeah. I mean, if, if anyone is actually gonna watch this game tonight, um, you're a better person. You you must have lost a bet, or it's some kind of new torture method from the CIA, or it's a uh, a punishment in prison or something. I don't know what you did to where you've been sentenced to watch. Um, this football game tonight, so um, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna skip and save everyone about a good five ten minutes of their lives and just say there probably will not be a winner of this game. This may be the the this you thought last night Thursday night football was bad. This will be far worse. So for the first week of the or the first time in the NFL season, no Thursday night preview for the NFL and for good and obvious reason. Yeah, I mean if you're just asking me. Winner loser, I always default to the home team, and I think the Bears are at home. That sounds about right. Like the Bears will probably win a very ugly football game. Yeah, and I don't think Ron Rivera's comments about his court. Yeah, yeah. that's not going to bowl over very. And well. then he's saying that's not what he meant by it. It's like, well, yeah. what did what did you mean by it, then, man? So um, I think it also comes down to coaching too, Ron Rivera. And I think uh, Mike McCarthy has definitely stepped up his game as a head coach, um, and uh, obviously. Um, uh, Nick Sirianni yep. uh, with the Eagles has stepped up, and uh, the I, he was the former Bills OC. He's now the Giants coach. What's his name? Um, but the first year Giants head coach, obviously stepping up as well, four and one in his first year. So, um, not to talk about it too much, but I think coaching has a lot to do with it. And I don't think it's uh, Carson Wentz isn't the best QB, but I think he's far more talented than Daniel Jones. Um, so it also comes down to a lot of coaching and Ron Rivera exactly has not been the best coach in Washington. No. Um, yeah, again, ugly football game. I won't even be watching the game, quite honestly. I think I'll be at um, at the Golden Knights home opener. So that kind of puts in perspective. One to know, by the way. That's right. They uh, they continue their reign over L.A., exactly. um, which anybody that's followed the Golden Knights have, has been keeping a pretty close eye on. The Knights essentially own the L.A. Kings. Like, every time the Knights play – LA it's probably like six or seven in a row that L- that Vegas has taken over LA so and we we also swept them in our first year yeah I so. mean people may want to call it a rivalry I don't know maybe you call uh, it the yeah. I-15 series I guess but that's about it I-15 series uh, but again just a friendly reminder uh, before we jump into the rest of our stuff we have for today make sure you follow the show on Twitter at back forth pod Instagram's at back forth podcast and while you're there make sure you give the official home for back and forth a follow that being the talk that talk media company their Twitter is at talk that, or excuse me, their Twitter is at TTT Media Company. The rest of their socials are spelled out at talk that talk media company. Now to some actually good football, not Thursday night football, but some actually decent football that we have. Well, well, we, not not that, but that's later. But still decent football talk, I guess. This is more entertaining <laughs> it's, it's, to talk it's about. A very actually, football football heavy episode. It is NFL related. Um, it's not Thursday night football, like we mentioned. It's probably a little more entertaining, actually. But Roger Goodell recently said that he is uh, the league has entertained the idea of potentially having a European division uh, implemented in the league. God only knows what le- what teams are going to be subjected to the European division of this league. Yeah, um, so over uh, the weekend or when NFL was uh, during the I believe Giants and Packers game, which was in London at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, um, which is a Premier League soccer soccer team. Uh, you know, Roger Goodell hinted at a four-team European division. Um, and then he went on to say, there's no question that London could support not just one franchise, I think two franchises. So London would get two of those teams, and I would assume Germany would get one because I know the NFL is having some games in Germany as well. Not sure where the other one would go. Here's the thing. I do not think with how big soccer is in Europe, the NFL can succeed in Europe. No. I'm going to be quite honest with you. 
I don't think anyone outside of America, maybe North the North American continent, give a shit about the NFL. No. It's very similar to Americans. Um, and not to sound harsh, but I don't think the majority of American sports fans care about soccer or football or whatever the proper term is. Right. Now, when a Premier League team or something comes down to the U.S. and they have a game here, it always sells out because everyone from the country will go to that hub. Um, we don't get to see that a lot here, so it's cool to see. And I think it's very similar with the NFL going to Europe or, or Germany. It's It doesn't happen a lot there. Um, so they... they they obviously are going to go see it, but I don't. I don't think they give a rat's ass about football. Um, I think if the NFL were to expand outside of the United States, I think Mexico City could work, no question, and maybe Toronto. I think Toronto could work, um, but the issue with Toronto is like they already have a team in Buffalo, and Toronto and Buffalo are pretty close to each other. So I mean, you already have like two teams in. Los Angeles, and you have two teams in New York, so I'm not saying that they're in New York City, so I guess it really doesn't matter, but, um, you know, uh, I, I think you can maybe put one team in Canada and you can maybe put one team in, in, in Mexico City, but if any American sports league were to expand to Europe, um, and, and not to sound biased, I think the NBA would probably be the only league that could do it and pull it off. It'd still um, be tough. I don't, I don't think it'd be as tough um, for the NBA. I think the NBA is can be very successful in Europe. Uh, European c- countries do care about basketball. Um, there is a, a market out there for basketball. They have professional leagues out there for basketball. They do not have professional leagues for American football out there. Um, and there's a lot of talent in these leagues. And um, to be quite honest with you, the NBA, in my eyes, uh, has became a, a global game in the years where you look at the top 10 players in the NBA. vast majority of them are not from America. Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, um, Joel Embiid, um, Luka Dantage. Like, the vast majority of talent in the NBA, or at least the top five, top ten guys, are not from America. Um, and you even have guys from Canada and so on and so on. In the NFL, 95% of those dudes are are from the United States. Um, so I wouldn't really say football is a global game. And you even look at baseball. Baseball has a lot of talent from, you know, other countries as well. Um I don't think baseball could pull off in Europe. I think baseball maybe could pull off in Asia a little bit. Um, that's a whole other discussion, though. So I think if one American league were to be successful in Europe, I think no question uh, the NBA can do that. Um, there's a market in those European countries for basketball. The NBA has played games um, in those European countries, and the turnout has been extremely well. Um, and... Uh, yeah, basketball in general is, is really popular in, in Europe and a lot of Asian countries. There's some countries basketball is not going to work, and there's some countries where basketball would work, and I would think, or not countries, I should say continents, uh, and I think the NBA would, would be very successful in Europe. As for the NFL, I don't think so. Um, I think maybe the first year it's probably does well past that. I'm not sure. Um, so I think the NFL should probably focus on if they – are wanting to expand, I think you go Canada or Mexico. You start there, and then and the same for the NBA. Probably, if the NBA wants to, you know, have a bigger global footprint, I think they start off by giving Canada another team, and they give Mexico City a team, and then they can kind of maybe dip their um, toes in, in in Europe or whatever. Uh, so I don't think the NFL. In summary, I don't think the NFL. Uh, would succeed in Europe. I think the NBA at this current moment would uh, be a lot more successful in Europe. It'd be fun though. It'd be cool. Like a European division would be cool. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on it. But I think. I think the NFL needs to slow slow down a little bit. Start start with Mexico City. I think Mexico City definitely deserves NFL and NBA, and maybe give Montreal a team in both and kind of start small. Start. With North America, and then you can kind of work your way across the Atlantic. Yeah, I mean, the only reason I would say the NBA going to Europe may be tough as far as having a league or a division out there is the travel aspect of it. When It's the same with the NFL, though. Yeah, but you have a basically a week between games. In the NBA, you sometimes you only have a day between games where 
you could make it work, but then in the schedule, you would need to probably build out two or three days between the last game and the Europe game, figuring one of those days is going to be a travel day. Like, right. And then you figure a second day is probably a walkthrough practice, and then you could play on that third day. My, my guess would be, if that were ever to happen, my guess would be the NBA would structure it I'm sure there'd be a decrease in the amount of regular season games because the NBA NBA would be a little more comfortable on doing that because now there'd be at minimal five more teams in in the NBA in a whole nother country. Um, So they'd be okay. Okay. We can maybe go down to a 60 game season. And my guess would probably be they go back and forth. It's not like, I don't think, and it's the same with the NFL, even though there's a week between games, I don't think like, the NBA, they'll be, if there's a team in Madrid, I don't think Madrid one night is going to be playing New York at Madison Square Garden, and then they're going to come back and play London at home, and then they're going to go back and play Charlotte on the road. Like, that won't happen. I no. think it'll be done in waves. I think they'll have, like, a seven-game home stretch. Right. And then they'll probably do a stretch where they're only traveling to other European uh teams in their division and then they'll do an American stretch where they are on the road in America for a 10 game eight game stretch and they're probably only gonna be playing teams along the eastern coast and then go back like I think it'll be done in waves I think it can work both ways in terms of scheduling and travel like the NFL like Matt said there's a whole week so they could probably play a first two weeks of the season they're in Europe and then the next two weeks they're going to be in the United States and then they come back and so on and so forth. I, I don't think there'll be a back and forth, back and forth kind of thing. They'll be, it'll be done in waves. So if the NBA will probably like a first 10 games of the year, they'll be in Europe. They'll do a eight game trip on the East coast to the United States and they'll come back to Europe for a seven game stretch. And then so on, you get what I'm, you get what I'm saying. So that's how I would imagine it being done for, for both leagues. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, they're going to go to, to New York, come back to Madrid then play in London, then go play in Dallas and then come back and play in Milwaukee and then back to Madrid and then play in Boston. And like, like they, they won't do that. And they'll probably get rid of the back-to-back games. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily question any of the markability of the NBA overseas, especially, I mean, we know it's a very global league. Um, it was more so the logistics as far as like you can do it, but you're probably going to need to shorten the schedule up. You're going to need to allow more days between games, Um, particularly, like you said, if it's a European team coming over to America to play a certain stint or vice versa, if it's American team going over to Europe to play a certain stint. And also, I mean, you kind of similar to what the NFL has as far as its primetime logistics, having teams play X amount of primetime games. I think for the European team, they're going to have to play X amount of American games in the U.S., and vice versa. American teams are probably going to have to play X amount of games in Europe just to make sure that everybody's got an even playing field so that that way the Lakers aren't getting away with like three European games and 57 American, you know, games in the United States. And Charlotte has to go play 50, you know, European games and, you know, t- 10 or 15, I mean, stuff like that. Like, yeah, they want, you got to make sure it's all balanced out. Everybody plays the same amount of, games on American soil and European soil and all that. But if you can figure that out, it can definitely work. And I think it'd be fun for both leagues, honestly. I mean, it would, I think again, not to be biased, one league will be more successful in it than the other. Right. But I think it'd be, it'd be really cool to be like watching, watching Toronto play like, like two teams, not from America, like watching Toronto play London or Mexico city play like um, Berlin or something, you know what I mean? Like it would just it would just be unique for for both sports. Yeah, I I think for the NFL though, I I, I am in, in agreement with you that I think it's probably going to it's best to not really have a whole European division. I just don't see how it's going to be that successful long term. I mean, it's been successful in short stints where you get one or two games a year in London. That's different because it's once or twice a year. People are more inclined to go to those games. If it's something that's going to be there permanently, I mean, the best analogy I could give you is like, think of the NFL as 
kind of like NASCAR in a sense to where it's very popular in the States, but not that popular outside. Outside of the United States, it's very much soccer and Formula One. Those are the two like driving forces that are pretty well known around the world. Out, But it's one of, like we said, it's one of those things. It's pretty exclusive to America, like especially the NFL being American football as it's kind of defined as it's played very differently than what people around the world traditionally think of when they hear football. Like when they hear football, they think of soccer. Yeah. And they probably look at American football. They go, what is that? (laughs) I think, I think the NFL in Europe will be very similar to how the MLS is in America. Yeah. I think that's how, I think that's how we'll go. Kind of an an afterthought. Yeah. First two years, I'm sure we'll be, we'll hit the ground running. There'll be a lot of excitement, but past that, like, you know, let's say, the the London the London legacy whatever is playing uh, the Carolina Panthers at home and that same Sunday you know there's a Premier League going Premier League game going on against Liverpool and Tottenham right like, where do you think where do you think most European fans are gonna put their attention to exactly it, it's <laughs> the same reason and like it's like here it's like if LAFC is playing um I don't know my MLS teams the Seattle Sound and then there's uh the Seahawks versus 49ers like where where where's the attention of the most Seattle residents going to be yeah it's going to be on it's going to be on the Seahawks and the 49ers regardless of who who's home and who's away you know they're going to be no one's going to be at that Sounders game Right. Well, and plus, I mean, if you put a European division or paying attention to the game if they're on the road in in the NFL, the next argument's going to be: so when are we going to have a Super Bowl in London? Which I would argue is never going to work because if you think about where the NFL's revenue comes from, it's off of TV dollars. That's no secret to anybody. The NFL, by far and away, makes the most amount of money off their TV deals with CBS, Fox, and NBC. And if you have a Super Bowl, like the Super Bowl is going to be at what six thirty in the morning? Nobody was signing up for that <laughs> crap. Okay, we're not playing our biggest game of the year at six thirty in the morning on West Coast time, and really nine thirty p.m. or nine thirty a.m. Pacific or Eastern time for the East Coast. That's just not going to happen, you know. And and quite frankly, the logistics of having a Super Bowl overseas still would not work because you have to think about all the people that would have to travel. You'd have to make sure all your equipment's there. You'd have to make sure. I mean, there's just so many little ins and outs that make a Super Bowl overseas kind of impossible to do. And the biggest one of those and the biggest kind of elephant in the room, if you will, is the TV deal. The TV companies will not sign up for a a Super Bowl in London because they know, I mean, look, it's a game being played on Sunday reasonably we can't expect the people on the west coast especially in las vegas to wake up at 6 30 a.m on a sunday after they've probably been out the night before partying until the wee hours of the morning that's and this is our biggest game we're talking about that's why it'll probably never get to london and that's why i think another reason we should just it's a great idea in theory in re, in reality and logistics it's probably not going to work though a european league or european division um, for the NFL, I think you keep it exclusive to the United States. And quite frankly, if you're the, if you're the NFL, I get you're trying to be creative and think of new ideas, but the ones you have are being pretty profitable right now. Like if you looked at profitability of leagues in the United States, I would say the NBA and the NFL are probably at the top of that list. Um, you can interchange one or the other. Um, I, I think you can make a decent case that they're pretty close to each other because of how global the NBA is. The NBA may not be, may not be as popular. I, th- I think NFL dominates portions America. of the, Yeah, they dominate. And the NBA dominates more on a global scale. Right, which is where I think they're pretty similar as far as right. w- what they do in revenue because the average American is going to prefer probably the NFL over the NBA. But if you go to any go to Dubai, right? Or isn't that where they just had the, the games and was Dubai? They had games in Dubai and then Japan. Right. So if you go to Dubai or Japan and you ask them, Hey, do you like your local basketball league, whatever that is, or do you prefer the NBA? 9.9 
people out of 10 are probably going to tell you the NBA right. there. So that's where the gap is made up. I think if you're the NFL, you don't make any changes to this. Keep it where you have now because you're, you're sitting pretty good. Like every year is getting pretty profitable. You've just brought on a new television partner in Amazon Prime that has picked up your Thursday night slot, which all the boomers are not very happy about, but they can get over it. Well, Tarnation. Um, and also for the NFL, the thing they're not looking at, there's there's American cities that I think they should still look at in terms of an expansion. I know they want to go global. It may not be the right time right now. Like we said, Mexico City, Montreal, if you want to go outside of the U.S., I think should be, or not Montreal, Toronto, should be the leading options. But if you want to, there's also like, Cities like Salt Lake City. I would say that we have kind of a whole portion of the map where there's Open. not mu- much of NFL. I mean, there's Kansas City, and then if you go south, there's the Texans and uh, the Cowboys, but Oklahoma doesn't have anything. OKC, Salt Lake City, San Antonio, yep. Austin, Texas, San Diego, uh, Portland. Um, I'd probably steer away from Texas just because they already have. I I I think San Antonio. I I would give San Antonio a team. They got they have a they have a stadium. They have a the Alamo Dome that holds like seventy two thousand. Like they have a they built the Alamo Dome to get NFL, and that's where the Raiders were supposed to play that one year, mm-hmm. when or, or for a couple years when the whole thing was going on with Oakland and they refused to play at Sam Boyd Stadium, so they were literally willing to play in San Antonio for two years for God knows whatever reason. Anyway, um, so you have San Antonio. Salt Lake City, Portland, San Diego. I mean, the Chargers, in all honesty, not to get too far off topic, put the Chargers back in San Diego. Yeah. No one in L.A. cares about No one in L.A. cares about the Chargers. Is Qualcomm, Look, is Qualcomm even there? Or no, they it's down? Snapdragon Stadium now. Let them share with SDSU. Put them in Snapdragon Stadium. It, I get it sounds funny, but it's, it's 36,000 seats. The Chargers are probably one of the least popular teams in the NFL anyway. Yeah. Let them go play in Snapdragon Stadium. Like, just let them go play there in San Diego. Give them 10 years to figure out their own stadium plans. That gives them plenty of time. You, it, The NFL allowed them to play at the LA Galaxy Stadium that holds like 25,000 fans, and they couldn't even sell that out. Right. What's you, You're not going to gonna tell me now you're not going to let them play at Snapdragon that can hold thirty five to 40,000 fans? Let them play there. Let them share with the SDSU. Um, they already have a... a a football facility there. Their old facility in San Diego is still unused. Put the Chargers back in San Diego. L.A. does not need two teams. If you're going to put the Raiders in L.A., which is not going to happen anytime soon, then it could work. The Rams, three out of ten people in L.A. probably will be like, eh, go Rams. Right. You know, the other seven are Raiders fans. So, um, And none of them are Chargers fans. They're all paid actors. So yes. put the Chargers back in San Diego. But, yeah. Like me and Matt are saying here, there's a lot of American cities that could very well make a case for an NFL team that they are very much overlooking. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the NFL decides to do on that. If that's more of just a idea floating in space, or if they try to put any action behind it. Uh, one thing that we do know is going on currently, that being uh, college football. College, we had. Football, or obviously college football last week. Um, go, I'm trying to go back and see where we ended up. Um, I know we both got, because we, I think we both took UNLV, which after the first quarter, that was like, whoops. Um, <laughs> and then um, I think we picked the BYU-Notre Dame game. Did we both take Notre Dame on that game? I uh, I think I took. No, I did take Notre Dame. All right, so we got that right. We'll say I took Notre Dame for now. I can't remember. Truthfully. Um, I think you took Kansas and I took TCU in that game. Yeah, I did the, take Kansas. So That I will say I took Kansas. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out where our other game was. Was it Tennessee-LSU that was our other game? Mm. No, it wasn't. Um, Who did USC a, play? They played Washington State. Uh, I'm trying to find where, or it was Texas A&M, Alabama. Yeah. Um, we both took Alabama. Which they almost lost. We almost looked wrong on that, yeah. too. So, officially, um, I went 3-1 and one last week. Joey went 2-2. Two and two. I believe that brings the records now to 21-8 and eight for Joey, and I think I'm 
two games ahead. Sounds about right. 20, so I'm 22 and eight. So you're 24 and six. 24 and six, I think. Yeah. Okay. 24 and six going into this week. Um, good games to pick this week. Um, we're obviously starting with the hometown team. Um, I think we're probably going to pick every game there that they have this year just because, well, for one, they're here in, in Las Vegas, and two, they're having a pretty good season, all things considered. So right. can the UNLV Rebels keep it going or get back on track, rather, against the Air Force Falcons on homecoming in Allegiant? Maybe without Doug Brumfield. I think Cameron Friel can get it done, though. Ooh. Um, this will be another very defensive-heavy football game. I think we'll be on the lower score side of things. And it may be hard to watch at times. Um, but Cameron Friel won games last year as a freshman and arguably could have won three or four more. Um, you know, lost literally in the last seconds of every one of those games. So I'm going to go 20 to 16. It's a tough one. Might be a tough one to watch, but you know if he pulls it out. I think with Doug, UNLV wins. Without Doug, they don't. I think either way, I think it's a close game, though. I think it's a respectable loss if Doug does not play. If Doug does play, though, I think UNLV can win in the neighborhood of about three to seven points. Air Force just, they're not that good. They lost to Utah State, they lost to Wyoming. You know, I they you can't really use the elevation excuse for them because Air Force plays in Colorado Springs, right? So they lose to a a not, not so good Wyoming team. They lose to a not so good Utah State team that UNLV beat on the road. I don't think Air Force is that good. I think Air Force is severely overrated, and uh, their blowout games against UNR and other schools are a little bit deceiving. Yeah, and I think with Doug Brumfield, UNLV wins by ten. A healthy Doug Brumfield. I think if he plays, it's very much the same because he's not healthy. But I think a healthy Doug Brumfield, you know, he wins this game by 10-plus points. Yeah. Um, This week, I'd say they win about by 4 or 5. With Cameron Friel. With Cameron Friel or Doug because Doug's not – he's not 100%. Right. He well, went, I think Doug is uh, – they confirmed – I think it was a concussion that he's, he's in concussion protocol. Now they're saying ankle. Oh. It could be both. He may have he, a, he may have done both. To be honest, like, might be a Tua situation here. Could very well be. Uh, which we all saw how poorly that play, played out. But I don't know. Something tells me Air Force has always just been a thorn in UNLV's side. Like every time UNLV's played Air Force, it's just it, it's weird because you know what Air Force does on offense. Like they don't. They're not very creative. They have like three plays in their entire playbook. One of them is a pass place in case they need to use it. One of them's option, and the other is just a straight handoff to the the running back. Like they're not a very creative offensive team, which you would think would make them easier to defend against because you know what's coming. But for whatever reason, UNLV for years now has had problems stopping Air Force. I mean, if you remember last year, Air Force ran all over UNLV and did whatever they wanted. Well, never forget that one year at Sam Boyd. Oh, yeah. Option year where to- Air Force literally lined up. They ran I, the ball, I, like, right. We counted, like, 15-plus times. They ran the ball right 15-plus times, and, like, UNLV kept getting in, like, this zone drop coverage. I'm yeah. like, what What does Tony Sanchez think they're going to do here? Yeah, and Air Force They're going to pass. And Air Force is just sitting there like, okay, if you're going to give us five or six yards of carry... That's fine. Like, we'll just keep marching down the field. We'll take time off the clock. We'll do whatever we want. That would be my only concern with this game is can UNLV's run defense come to play? Because it's had flashes this year where it's kind of been the one area of the defense where you look at and you go, if there's an area that's behind a little bit, it's probably the run defense. UNLV's going to need their run defense this weekend because if they allow Air Force to line up and run for 175 to 200 yards, Air Force is probably winning the game. Like, you're not going to win very many football games when you give up that many yards on the ground, knowing Air Force is one of the best teams at controlling the uh, time of possession, having extremely good ball control, and kind of just keeping the playing keep away from the UNLV offense. I feel like that's going to be Air Force's game plan. So if UNLV's defense, especially their run defense, can hold Air Force to two to three yards of carry and force them to pass the ball, UNLV could very well win this game. Even though I think they're like a, last I look, I think they're like a double-digit um, underdog at home, UNLV. 
So yeah, which I think I know we said it last week, but if, if you're gonna gamble, I would take UNLV in the points here. Yeah, I, this game just feels close regardless. Like, I mean, even from a moral standpoint, a lot of those guys were on last year's team and they saw the beatdown that Air Force put down on them. Like, I get it was like because I'm pretty sure that was the last game of the year. I get UNLV didn't have much to play for, but I mean, it was still like 48 to 10, I believe. 48, 14, 48, four. I was close. 48 to 14. It was still an embarrassing loss on the road. I mean, there's naturally going to be revenge factor, whether or not UNLV wins or loses. I don't know. Like I said, I need a little bit more info as far as who the starting QB is going to be before I'm pretty confident one way or the other. But I do know that it's probably going to be pretty close. Like, I don't see either side winning by more than about a touchdown. So take that information and do what you will. Not not telling you to do anything. Just information That's at, your, at your disposal. Um, next up, we got Penn State traveling on the road to play the Michigan Wolverines. Um, top 10 matchup. Top 10 matchup. If this was. I, I don't think Michigan drops a game until they play Ohio State. I think they go back to their ways of losing to Ohio State this year. So I'm going to go with the Wolverines. Um, they're going to have a perfect 11-0 year until they play Ohio State, and that obviously will eliminate them from playing in the Big Ten Championship because they're um, Michigan and Ohio State are in the Big Ten East, right? Mm-hmm. So Ohio State would represent the Big Ten East and play Nebraska, I guess, at the moment. That's crazy. <laughs> Somebody told me that yesterday. They were like, you know, Nebraska leads the Big Ten West, right? I was like, no, To be no. fair, the Big Ten West is terrible right now. It's Yeah, it's what, Iowa? Help is on the way when USC and UCLA join because you would assume they join the Big Ten West um, and they'd probably move like Indiana over yeah. to the East or something. Anyway, that's we're, we're like talking about expansions and realignments here. That's for another episode. Um but yeah, the Big Ten West is is terrible. So it's going to be a, a free championship for whoever comes out of the Big Ten East, whether it's Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State. Most likely Ohio State, and I think that's when Michigan drops their first game. I don't know how that'll affect their playoff chances. Committee, the committee is very strange, so we'll see. But they get this win here against Penn. I agree. I think Michigan comes in, they take care of business at home. If anybody knows me, they know I am not a very big James Franklin fan. I think he's, quite frankly, a fraud. He's not that great of a head coach. Vastly overrated. Like, Penn State does this crap every year. Like, they they pick off easy wins. They build up a resume. They go, oh, look at us. Like, we're Penn State. We're now in the top ten. They we, go, have, we have wideout games and play Mo Bamba. Yeah, yeah they, they go to play a notable big team in their, divi- in their conference, whether it's a Michigan or Ohio State, and they get exposed. Like, to be honest, Ohio State's really tough home or road game this year is probably Penn State, and I still think Ohio State's going to go in and have their way. Yeah, like, no question, Penn State's going to probably end up with two or three losses before the end of the year. Given now, I mean they're five or six and zero. Oh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but I think it's six and zero oh, um, for Penn State. And yeah, they're going to go in. I mean, it's a it's a close game. Look, I'll give you that. It's a close game. Penn State probably loses 28 to 17. That's about right. 28 17, Penn State falls. Got another big game. Five Alabama. 5 0, oh, sorry. Alabama, Tennessee. Here's the thing These is, this is one of the games where you're like, Alabama is going to lose. This is like, this is, this is a perfect upset opportunity. There's so much momentum behind this Tennessee team. And this is a game where Alabama is just going to come in and kick their ass. Yep. This is exactly what's going to happen. I can promise you that. I'm, I've never been so confident on anything in my life. Alabama is going to kick Tennessee's ass. Alabama, for some reason, well, it's the games where you're like, they're going to beat the, like, the, the, there's there's no way they, they fall flat on their face. And they almost lose to Texas, and they almost lose to Texas A&M. It's games like that Alabama will lose. But they went on the road to Arkansas. Yeah, and put a beat down. Put a beat down on Arkansas. Everyone's like, "Watch out for the, watch out for the Razorbacks." No, and it's the same thing this week. Watch out, watch out for Tennessee. Watch out. Um, no, it's more yeah. like watch out Tennessee. Yeah, Al- Alabama is going to win like 
41-16, somewhere along those lines. There's, there's, there's too much hype behind this Tennessee team, and they're going to cave in. Yeah, I feel like it's much easier. It's much easier being a Texas and a Texas A&M, and everyone's like, you're going to get your ass kicked because you're already going into the game like, we don't got a shot. So, like, what do we have to lose? Um, and they end up playing better than they thought, and they almost win those games. And last year, Texas A&M obviously won that football game uh, versus – you're a Tennessee and you're going in and everyone's like the whole world or the whole country's rooting for you. And they're like eh, putting a lot of stock in Tennessee. They're going to pull this one off. And Matt's favorite word, they get boat raced. So I think that's honestly what happens. This just feels like a game where too much hype's on Tennessee side. Everyone's riding with them. And this is where they just plain and simple, get their ass kicked. This is the Nick Saban Bama boat racing special for y'all here. Right. Um, Joey's right. I mean, look, these teams have Bama circled on their schedule, particularly if they're if it's a home game for that team. And they get all the, the students hyped up. They get all the community hyped up. Oh, we've got Bama coming to town. Like, this may be the weekend we get them. And they're so focused on that. They're so hyped up that, and Bama doesn't care. They just come in. They beat the doors off of teams. They leave. Like, that's what they do. And week in, week out. And people can say, oh, well, Texas a almost beat Bama. Right. The fact that Bama didn't lose that game and the fact that Bama didn't lose at Texas after playing horrifically should tell you how good Bama really is. Like, that, good teams tend to lose those games. Great and championship-level teams can play bad and still win those games. That's kind of where Bama's sitting at right now. You can make the argument they are one of the best teams in the, in the country right now easily a top three team. And quite frankly, I'd probably rank them ahead of Ohio state. And you could make the argument one way or the other that they're better with Georgia, maybe a little bit worse than Georgia, you know, one, a one B type of scenario. But for this game, I, I, I think this game gets, this game is going to get out of hand. Bama's going to come in and bring Tennessee right back down to earth. Um, Yeah. No, it's not going to happen for Rocky Top this week. No, so not even close. Um, we got one. This is where my upset will be this week. The USC Trojans going on the road to take on Utah Utes. Utah, that the, their goal this year was a playoff. That's what they thought they were going to get, and that's done. Um, majority of those players probably don't give a shit about whatever whatever bowl game they're going to end up in, whether it's the Las Vegas Bowl or I don't know what other Pac-12 Bowls there are, or the L, the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl. Like, they probably don't care anymore. Um, this this is a game I feel like they want to win and at least prove something. Um, they're coming off a bad loss. They got a bad taste in their mouth. They're going to be at home. Salt Lake City is a tough place to play. Um I, I feel like Utah pulls it off. USC has had a couple of scares this year. Um, I think USC a, has a lot of great young talent on their team, but they're just not quite there just yet. Not quite there. I think next year they're definitely in that playoff conversation. Um, the way how the way Lincoln Riley has built this program and how fast he's built it, no question next year they're in that conversation. Um, right now, I don't think they're there yet. They're just not there yet. Um, I think Utah pulls off an upset here. I think Utah surprises a lot of people. This is just another game where I feel like you're riding off Utah a little a little too soon, and uh, um, and they're not necessarily a bad team. Like they they lose to Florida down the stretch, and they lose to a very good UCLA team uh, down the stretch again. So I mean they're not they're not a bad football team by any means, and um, I think they I think they steal one from the Trojans this week. So I'm gonna go with Utah pulls off an upset seven. Seventh ranked USC versus twentieth ranked Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Utah. I ain't I ain't picking Utah. That's <laughs> for sure. I'm taking, of course, I'm th- gonna take USC here. I think USC now more clearly can see that they have a path to the playoff. Like they they can see it's there now. Being seventh ranked and just looking at the teams ahead of them, like inevitably, Michigan or Ohio State's going to lose a game somewhere because they play each other. It, USC right now, I think their path to the playoff is they have to finish this regular season undefeated. They have to win the conference. 
they have to be a 13 and 0 team with a conference championship to make a very viable bid for that fourth spot. Because right now I would say the consensus is Bama's probably in, Georgia's probably in, Clemson's probably in. There's about four or five other teams that make a case for that last spot. Now, I think one of those teams is probably going to eliminate themselves after the Big Ten or after Michigan versus Ohio State to end the regular season because I think they're two of those teams. What, what other teams you want to throw in there? I don't know. Maybe you, Maybe it's a Big 12 champion, whoever it may be. I think, like I said, USC's way to get to the – or at least to make a convincing case to the committee is they have to run the table – they have to be undefeated, and they have to win the Pac-12 championship game. The way you get there is you have to have this win right here. This has historically always been a big game for USC. Um, I believe the Pac-12 recently went under some configuration with their standings, so I don't think there's actually um, divisions anymore. I believe they're just one solid conference. But in any case, even going back a couple years, there used to be the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 South, Historically, USC versus Utah always kind of determined who would who would be the representative out of the South. And it was just whoever's going to play, whether it's Washington, whether it's Oregon, whatever the case may be, that would be who would uh who USC or Utah would play in the back, in the Pac-12 championship game. I can't stress this enough. This is a marquee win for you or for USC if they can go on the road to Salt Lake and beat Utah. I get Utah already has two losses, but it is still a ranked win or a win against a ranked opponent on the road, which is one of those resume building wins. When you're trying to sit there at the end of the year and make a very compelling and convincing case to the committee, why you should be the fourth, the fourth team into the playoffs. They're going to probably look at this and go, okay, we see you're the conference champion. We see you're undefeated. Where are your marquee wins at? You know how, essentially how did you get to being undefeated? This is going to be one of those marquee wins if USC pulls it off. And, the, I mean, the only thing I really worry in this game is if USC's defense can just hang hang in there for a little bit. We know, and just give your offense a chance because if it's one of those where USC's offense con- is constantly having to you know answer a Utah touchdown or a Utah field goal, the, the offense is going to get tired. But if you if your defense can stand in there come up with some stops and let your offense build a little bit of a gap, then yeah, USC can win this game by, you know, 10 to 14 points. But I mean, this is kind of essentially the season for USC as far as how it's going to go. If they win this game, like I said, there's, they have, you know, championship aspirations, playoff aspirations. If they lose their best hope is that they make the, the conference championship game. They win that and they get a respectable bowl game, most likely like a Rose Bowl bid. I think that's I think that's where they end up. Which is still a great bowl yeah, game. For, for for a first year head coach in Lincoln or first year to the program Lincoln Riley. That that is probably outside of the playoff the most meaningful bowl game that players will play in. Like there's the Rose Bowl and then there's there's another one out east um uh, or Midwest somewhere that's a pretty decent bowl game. I'm trying to think where the I know it's like there's the Orange Bowl. There's the Fiesta Bowl. Well, sometimes the Fiesta and Orange Bowl are part of the playoff because of SC. Um, is it the Iron Bowl? The Iron Bowl is uh, between Auburn and Alabama every year. It's, that's what they call it is the Iron Bowl. Was, what's the one that UCF played Auburn in that one year? The Peach Bowl? Is the Peach Bowl a big one still? Mm. No. For UCF it was. Okay, yeah. Well, they won the National Championship <laughs> and they did that. So yeah, I know. Just ask them. There's um, there's, It might be the Con Bowl. Could, yeah, Cotton Bowl is somewhat okay. So, but the the Rose Bowl is definitely the marquee. Like they call it, they call it the granddaddy of them all. Yeah, that's that's the big one. So, um, and the Rose Bowl is sometimes involved in the in playoff. The, in the playoff, yep. there is a Pac-12 team and a and a Big Ten team in the top, which very well. Either way, USC could theoretically be going to the Rose Bowl if you look at it. If they finish in the top four. Well, they they, could, well, that depends because they could be playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. The playoff just—they always take two of the, you know, what used to be known as the BCS bowls, and they just assign those as the semifinals. So it can be anybody. It's essentially two games that have at-large bids on them, and those are reserved for the semifinal. Well, that's what I'm because that's what I'm saying. If if USC gets the four seed and Ohio State gets the one seed, the Rose Bowl will be Ohio State and USC. 
because that's how it happened. If you Oklahoma played in a Rose Bowl game during the play, I think they played Oregon. That's what I'm looking up right now to see because they always take two. There's like six or seven different games that they rotate between who's got. So right now it's the. Okay, so the Rose Bowl is not part of the playoff this year. It's not? No, it is the Fiesta Bowl and the Peach Bowl. Both those games will be at large bids, though, because they'll be obviously reserved for the top four. Okay. But all that means is now... A couple years ago, though, the Rose Bowl was part of... But, I mean, you kind of make somewhat of a decent point here. That does mean that, let's say, you know, for instance, let's just say hypothetically USC ran the table undefeated. They win the Pac-12. They're a top four team. That still opens the door up for a Pac-12 team to get into the Rose Bowl. And consequently, the same thing. I think the loser of Michigan-Ohio State probably is going to go to the Rose Bowl because they'll be 12-1. and one. Michigan. Yeah. Michigan's going to go to the Rose Bowl. Hey, there you go, Jim Harbaugh. Dom might want to go to that game. It's pretty close by. It's a, it's a few-hour drive. It, UCLA could very well be playing. That's a great game. UCLA, a, home, a home game. Yeah. Quote-unquote, a home game. It would be. Well, that, well, would it really be a home game? No, I mean, we've seen Yeah, USC. I mean, that's why I said, quote-unquote, it will be in their Ge- own stadium. Like, geographically, yes, it is a home game because they play. it is in UCLA Stadium. If it's UCLA and Michigan, Michigan's going to have about yeah. 85% of the crowd there. It's either going to be, I'd say, Michigan. It's either going to be Michigan or Utah or Michigan or UCLA or Michigan and USC. They'll be playing. Right. It'll be Michigan versus someone. Unless. If you're a Michigan fan, buy your tickets to LA around December because you're going to the Rose Bowl. Unless I mean, I've seen this happen too before, where they, they kind of, the Michigan USC would be a great one. That's I'd I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Um, I've seen it where like the selection committee for like the Rose Bowl and these different bowl games, they'll it'll be like a consolation prize for whoever loses the Big Ten championship game. Which, if that's the case, I mean, then you're handing the Big Ten West basically a free ticket to the Rose Bowl. So, right. hey, I mean, if you're Mickey Joseph in Nebraska, you you still have a theoretical chance. To get to the Rose Bowl, just get to the Big Ten championship game. Look somewhat okay, and the Rose Bowl Rose Bowl game, uh, committee will be like, you know what, you made the Big Ten championship game, and you lost to Ohio State, who's now in the playoffs. We can't even take them. You're in. Well, we could take Michigan, but eh, you know, I've seen that happen before. I hope it doesn't, but not this year. Yeah. If if Nebraska was in that in the top twenty five. Yeah, no. Maybe they finish the year like nine and three or something. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I'm I'd, not even I'd be sure. like, yeah, that could happen this year. No, because likely like, like, like before we wrap it up here, um, like, let's just look at the big 10 West real quick. It's, 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 horrendous. it's very similar to how the NFC East has been over the years. Um, but Hey, it's one of the better divisions now in football, the NFC East. It is. So maybe that's a sign for the big 10 West. Um, the best overall record. Oh, is Illinois at five and one? Illinois is now first place. Well, it's a three-way tie between Illinois, Purdue, and Nebraska. And I don't think Illinois is gonna. They got a tough one on Minnesota next week. Five and two. Nebraska six seven. Illinois probably finishes eight and four. Right. Like the best team in that division will be eight and four. And if it's Illinois, do you really? No disrespect. This isn't basketball. Do you really want to send Illinois to the Rose Bowl? No, I wouldn't. I, if I was the on the selection committee for the Rose Bowl, I'm taking, like I said, I take the loser of Ohio State, and, Michigan. And if Nebraska was was Nebraska makes sense to send, but not this year. No, not not this. Like Nebraska is a big enough name, no doubt, but just not this year. They're not they're not worth sending to the Rose Bowl. It's it's got to be Michigan. It's got to be unanimously Michigan, or if not Michigan, Penn State. But should be Michigan that's being sent. Penn State's always a, a popular option for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, they, and that's why I'm saying like Penn they could snag Penn State. Uh, let's see who's in the East as well. But I I know I probably send Penn State to like there there'll be a New York New Year's Six Bowl, but send them to like the Outback Bowl or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Names. They need to get rid of the fucking. I got I got a bowl for they can go to the Mayo Bowl. Yeah, they need, they need to get rid there. of that shit. Like the Jimmy, I like the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl is so dumb. I cannot. And then the, the like the Barstool Arizona Bowl, and then this will be the first year for that. By the way, they canceled it last. Yeah, year. and then what was it? What was it last year? What was the Las Vegas Bowl sponsored by? 
Some um, weird. Um, it, it's not Mako. They used to, they used to be the sponsor. I don't it know should it be was. the Los Angeles Bowl presented by Jimmy Kimmel. The uh, Fiesta Bowl presented by PlayStation. Because I think that's who PlayStation. It was like the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Right. So the Fiesta Bowl brought to you by PlayStation. Right. Like do it like that. Right. Like you can, and then you can run their ads throughout the whole fucking game. I'll sit through that, but don't like the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. You can't. T- you can't get a a a junior who's gonna go top ten in the draft. You can't convince him to play in that. No. Like we need you this week, man. This is the Jimmy Kimmel. Like no, this is the Los Angeles Bowl. Presented by Jimmy Kimmel. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> but the, the more people will be calling it the LA Bowl, not the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl. You know what I mean? It should be in Arizona Bowl. We call it the Arizona Bowl, not the fucking Barstool Bowl. Like, right. It's it's dumb. So yeah. you can have sponsors, but don't let it over override the name, overtake the name. Yeah. That's dumb. That's my rant on that. But they probably, I mean, they figure that. It's it's all about money at the end of the day. Oh, they they like figure a, these sponsors probably pay astronomical amounts of money, so. That's probably why it's worded the way it is, is because it's, oh, they're they're paying us however many millions of dollars for this game, so you know we'll call we'll name the bowl game after them. Like great, so yeah, grand, yeah, exactly. Um, with all that being said, we are done rambling. We thank you guys for tuning into a Thursday episode of Back and Forth. We are back on Saturday with NFL to get into. As we mentioned, if you're watching Thursday Night Football. God help you, please. Um, I'll go Bears. Yeah, Bears. 10-6. to six, A yeah. thriller. Bears in a snooze fest is the consensus pick here. 10-9, to nine, changing it. Oh, boy. It's going to lay it out for you. They're going to get close. It's going to be 7-9. to nine. Wentz is going to drop back on 3rd and 9. Two minutes left in the game. Trying to close it out. He'll throw a pick. And the Bears will just run the ball. Field goal. They won't double doink it this time. A thrilling ten to nine victory on Sunday night, or excuse me, Thursday night football. Yeah. This was a Sunday night game. That'd be a crime. Yeah, and I think I'd you you would have to go protest the NFL. Like, why is this a Sunday night? The, the, this week's Sunday night game will be great, which we'll talk about Saturday. Right, Cowboys and Eagles. That'll be a great one. Yeah, and I mean, poor Al Michaels, by the way. Like Al Michaels has to suffer through another one of these Thursday and, night. Yeah, games. and Kirk Kerbstreit. Yeah, I mean, Al Michaels was ready to like. You can you get the idea after the Colts Broncos like he was not if you go back and you listen to Al Michaels' commentary he wasn't very thrilled about this game hopefully they get a touchdown they didn't get a touchdown last week hopefully they get one that's right this week uh but like we said that that's all for us today friendly reminder make sure you follow the, the show on Twitter at backforthpod Instagram is at backforthpodcast while you're there follow talk that talk media on Twitter at ttt media company the rest of the socials are spelled out at talk that talk media company it has been a Thursday episode for Joey and myself And we are back with NFL to get into on Saturday.